does the God of the Old Testament represent a worldly, tribal, pagan, A&E deity? We beg to differ. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? How are you doing tonight? Welcome to another fascinating episode of Faith Unaltered. I am your host, Tyler Fowler, and with me, we have Dell Glover, Joshua Sherman, and Carrie Griffel. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Dell, what is up, brother man? You have been on a plethora of podcasts today, and so I know you're tired, but I thank you for joining us for this Epic. I think this is going to be a fun discussion, guys. So I'm really excited uh, to to get into the weeds of A and E, and and we've got Sherman, we've got Carrie, and I'm excited for this. So Dale, how have you been, brother? Did Dale freeze up? I think he did. I think he did. Wait. Oh, we can't hear him again. Well. That's fine. Dale, if you want to get a reset. And Carrie didn't take you out this time. So <laughs> it wasn't her fault. But we'll go ahead and go to Sherman. Brother, how are you? I know we've been talking about doing this episode for a for a little bit now. So we've kind of yeah. been, you know, mm -hmm. bouncing the idea back and forth off of each other. And we finally said last week, hey, let's let's do this. Let's put let's put on the gas and let's do it. And so how are you, brother? Are you excited tonight? Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, it, it's always fun doing something on a Monday and being like, yeah, the day was a Monday. <laughs> it's different, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, had a good amount of time to kind of think about this stuff and, and and to just try to think about how to best approach it. And and I hope that that, that thoughtfulness comes out in the way that we um, we try to approach uh, some of the things that uh, Tyler Baylor said on Myth Vision and that he said elsewhere um, and, and just um, helping give people maybe a, a good sense of um, of the context of the layout 
uh, of this discussion. Um, so it isn't just um, talking heads, talking points being thrown back and forth, um, but really kind of diving into like why this matters, um, why we think it's so important. Um, obviously, when it, when we're talking about this as a as something that interfaces with Christian faith, we think it's important, right? Um, but but specifically, when we're talking about some of the things that he said, um, you know, why we want to engage with that in a meaningful way. So, I'm excited. Right on, man. Right on, Carrie Griffel, ma'am. It is your first time on Faith Unaltered, and so like I told you while we were off air, we try to save the best for last for our introductions. And so, if you would, for those who don't know you, first of all, how are you doing tonight? And for those who don't know you, give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, and why did you decide to join us tonight, other than being invited. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, thank you, Tyler, for uh, inviting me on. I appreciate it. Um, my name's Carrie Griffel. Um, I have just recently started podcasting about three months ago or so, just barely over three months ago. Uh, so I do the podcast Genesis Marks the Spot. Uh, it's just enjoying the heck out of that uh, and enjoying the fact that there's such a community that is around podcasting. Yeah. Um, because in, in my, like, one of the reasons I started doing this was because of uh, the desire to, to think more in community with the body of Christ. Uh, and uh, so that's kind of my goal is to do that and to uh, to try and uh, just connect on a deeper level with more people and uh, just join conversations where they are and uh, share thoughts that I have and things like that. Um, but I know Joshua because we are moderators on uh, the Divine Council Facebook page together. And uh, um, and so uh, Josh actually invited me on um, because uh, Tyler and Josh were talking about doing this and yeah. said, do you want to join? And I said, of course, this is <laughs> my kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just a little bit of background. I mean, you know, Carrie's done a master's in biblical studies and um, she actually came, you know, grew up in the LDS church and came out of it. So okay. a lot of the, some of the things that we're going to talk tonight about uh, in terms of the contrast uh, that we see between the God of the scripture and uh, the pagan gods and how different ideas about gods in general um, is it's going to tie right into some of those things. Uh, so really yeah, just excited directly. to have her. Mm -hmm. Right on, right on. Carrie, I remember the first time, like our first episode, like not on Faith and Altar, but the first episode I ever did. And then just to see from that point in time to where I'm at now, the, the you were talking about the people that you meet and to be able to connect on a deeper level with. Like, I love it. If I never would have started podcasting, I doubt I would have met half of y'all. And so, right. I, really, I mean, podcasting does bring it, uh, bring the people, you know, and, and you can, you really can connect. I think on a deeper level, just bouncing ideas back and forth, talking theology. I've met all my theology nerds on here. I love them. I'm meeting them actually. So I just got back from vacation uh, with Dane Von Ace, uh, pastor of Methodist Church, Sango Methodist Church um, in Clarks, uh, Clarksville, Tennessee. And so I was excited to, to actually meet him and, and hang out and stuff like that. But guys, so thank you all for joining us. Dale, are you back uh, with us? Do you have your sound up? He does not. Okay. Well, if you want to work on that, brother, I'm telling you, the gremlins are in the system tonight. And so um, we uh, we do have a 
uh, clip that we would like to play. And then after this clip, I told Sherman, I said, bro, you take the reins. This is your baby. And I'm here for tech support. And, and then I'll throw my ideas in as well uh, while you can carry bounce ideas off of uh, each other and, and explain like why this is such a serious deal. Um, there was, I do want to uh, say this real quick. There was a comment left on, on the Facebook page uh, and it was from uh, Derek uh, Lambert hmm. from Myth Vision. And he had asked if we were basically going to be discussing this entire video or us, you know, a part of it. And I had, you know, replied to him yeah. that there's so much in that video, like one episode would not do it justice. So we've segmented it down to a 12 minute clip. Um, I'm going to play about 30 seconds of that clip to get the main idea out. And then we will, we'll just go from there. And so I, I think there's way too much. I mean, this might even be a part two, two-parter episode, maybe more, because there's just so much that needs to be said. And, and so you know, just so much weeds to get through. And so let's, mm -hmm. uh, let's go ahead and start this clip. Josh, you tell me when to uh, stop it and let me share my screen real quick. And then we will, can you all see that? Yep. <clears throat> okay, cool. And then we'll get started. You know, open theism or I like those were worse. Like, like if I'm going to take the Bible seriously, those are worse ways to do it. Um, but it, it started being fundamental contradictions between what I believed about God in, because I'm still a classical theist. I still think God is omnimax. I still think God is simple, say, necessary, right? I still hold to those, those types of beliefs. Right. There was actually a strong disconnect between that very high view of God and the very national pagan Yahweh of the Old Testament, and even even getting into the New Testament, um, you know the way that Jesus looked at uh, at God and religion. It, it was it was very obviously in the Old Testament is very it became very tribal. It was very yeah. Um, very yeah very very tribal very 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 this world. And as I started reading through, you know, a bunch of the other the other myths of the ancient Near East and other ones, which honestly made me love the Bible more. We, we, we can stop there. We love the Bible. <laughs> I love the Bible. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool. Um, so th there's a lot in that statement. And uh, Tyler goes on to say some other things, trying to clarify what he means uh, or uses some other terms uh, that, that try to kind of lay that out. And um, if I were to summarize it, I would say something like this. Tyler sees the way that God is understood in the Old Testament. And maybe, maybe you could also say understood and presented, right, in the Old Testament as a very national, tribal, pagan, and we'll talk more about what that means to him, cosmosy, uh, this worldly ancient Near Eastern view of God, right? So he sees that as essentially the, um, the way that the Old Testament presents God. And then he sees the way that God is seen in the New Testament, the way that Jesus talks about God, the way the church has talked about God since, more in line with the God of classical theism. Um, one could even say more in line in some ways with the good of, of Platonism, right? Um, so he didn't say those words exactly, but same kind of ideas, right? This God is, is out here. Um, God is, is simple. God is, is, you know, just utterly beyond the world versus what he sees in the Old Testament and his view of that being a very, I don't want to say fleshly, but a very this worldly a very, uh, kind of God. Yeah, uh, I liked so, his yeah. word cosmosy. Yeah, yeah. No, I thought that was really great. And it ties directly into some of the ways that we want to talk about this. So um, 
taking the scriptures kind of a, in a, in a plain reading kind of way and, and even dealing with some, you know, contextual stuff as, as I know Tyler does, he likes to dig into stuff, right? Um, I can understand why when you see that and you see this and you go, one of these things is not like the other, like it's, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't fit. Um, and so I, I think the first thing I want to just kind of say right out of the bat is um, if I understood the scriptures to be saying things in that way, I would probably run be running into the same kind of feeling, the same kind of turmoil that that Tyler ran into that kind of pushed him out of the faith. Um, so um, this isn't one of those things where it's like, well, if Tyler was just smarter, then he would have. No, like <laughs> that's not not where we're going with this, right? Um, but I, I think we want to push back in a few different ways. So, mm -hmm. um, first is is really laying out how. Uh, the implications of this different kind of metaphysics in the Old Testament and New Testament, how we saw it, then looking at it and saying, is that what we really see in the Old Testament and the New Testament? Do we see that contrast? And then saying, in the places where we do see some contrast, even in the way the Old Testament internally talks about God, how do we look at that? Is there a better way, a more consistent way to look at this? And can we come away with a consistent hermeneutic that actually like lays this out that makes things fit in place without having to go, boy, I feel like I need an adapter for every verse or every passage that I want to plug in here to get them to fit into my plan, right? That's right. obviously not the way we want to do hermeneutics. It's not the way to do biblical theology. So we want to avoid that in the same way that Tyler was trying to avoid that himself. He just ended up avoiding it out mm -hmm. uh, and we are avoiding it in. So, right. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, so referencing the the comment that Tyler brought up from Derek that that he made today or yesterday or whenever it was, uh, it it amused me that in his comment he said that we are allergic to the term paganism, or maybe just the way or the context in which Vela used it. I got my pegadrill. <laughs> but really, I think they they used and described it pretty fairly, actually, mm -hmm. because. Uh, Paganism is defined in relation to Christianity. So if he is, if he's going to come at history and the Bible with any kind of view that disconnects the New Testament and the Old Testament in any way, that, you, you know, from various perspectives, I can see how you get to the claim that the God in the Old Testament is pagan. Mm -hmm. in, in a way that makes sense when you're coming at it from the way that he is. Um, but you have to have that disconnect in order to have that be consistently yeah. looked at. And of course, if you're disconnecting it, you're not looking at it consistently to begin with. So there's that problem too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and speaking of, of, of metaphysics um, and, and just kind of how this ties together, right? I think it really helps to get a, a good kind of overview of the different kinds of views that are out there and how people understand the relationship between God and creation, the relationship between God and humanity, um, the, the kinds of, um, you know, what kind of a being God is um, and, and how that's presented in scripture and how, how we understand that. Um, and <laughs> Carrie <laughs> had, had a, one of those moments uh, in front of the, the whiteboard, kind of like that guy that has all the string connected to all the dots. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was trying I, to I just kind of lay this out. <laughs> um, and, and, and just, I think she did a really good job of just kind of sketching out some of the different ways that people have understood, you know, if there are gods, 
what are the gods like and what's the relationship between the gods and creation? Is there one God? Is there more than one? Like um, those kinds of questions, right? This is the kind of thing that we're talking about. And when, when Tyler said things like he's a, the God of the old Testament, the way the old Testament presents him is a very cosmosy God, right? That is, is ties directly into a very big difference in metaphysics that I think actually drove him him walking away from, from Christianity because he saw this, this looks different than this. Right. So, um, Carrie, do you want to maybe pull that up and we can, we can look a little bit at, at yes. that and maybe Let's, give people a little bit of the lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Let's see if my, if my technology magic will work. All right. You got that? I do. There we go. All right. So this is my lovely and very messy whiteboard. And I, I wish I could go into all of this in super detail. It would be a lot easier if I was drawing it at the time. Um, but I'll, I'll zoom in here. Um, but what I've oh, done basically Is it loading here... for everyone else? No, I've got it up. Is it still loading for you, Josh? Yeah, it's still loading for me. Okay. Um, Carrie, if you want to go ahead and talk us through it while sure, it's loading for Josh. You sure, can. because uh, I, I can describe what I'm doing here. What I what I did was I took four different types of theologies, um, and I, I had to kind of pick and choose a little bit and simplify a lot. And so these these are just kind of rough sketches. They're not intended to be like some big uh, universal thing that is going to to um, give you every clue that in re in reality, right? But I, I was looking at classical theism because that's what uh, Vela was talking about. But the, the problem with classical theism is that you can come at it from various directions and you can have different flavors of what you have in classical theism. Uh, so when you have, because the, I think part of his issue is the relationship of this cosmos with God, right? So you have the transcendence and then you have the immanence. And that can be seen in different ways in classical theism. So I just kind of picked one of those. Um, and then I uh, also looked at LDS theology because I'm very familiar with LDS theology. Uh, and uh, because what a lot of what he said was very uh, reminiscent of a lot of what I believed when I was uh, a Mormon. So, and then uh, I looked at ancient Near Eastern paganism kind of in general, and then my view of what the Bible is. So I'm gonna kind of zoom in here. Now, Carrie, if I can just be be clear, just a clarifying question real quick. Whenever you talk about what Tyler said, you guys are talking about in this window, this 1448 to 2602 window, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah I'm trying to trying to, to to limit to my comments to what he's talking about there. Um, yeah. Because it, it does that clip does span the whole conversation in important ways, but we really need to zoom in on certain things to hit on those first before we can take that zooming out kind of a picture. Yeah, mm -hmm. fair enough. Yeah, so um, up here at the top of my whiteboard, I have classical theism, and where you have the um, where you have the where you have the big horizontal lines in between all of the or in the middle of all of these, that's the distinction between the divine and the creation or the divine and the mortal, whatever that, uh, however you want to put that. The creator creature distinction, right? Right. Gotcha. Right. So, well, and mostly, 
but that's okay. not entirely always what it is either. Okay. It's, it's kind of a realm distinction, basically. Gotcha. So you have gotcha. the, the mortal life and the non-mortal life, basically, something like that. Gotcha. I like the term divine, um, which some people will not understand what I mean by divine. By divine, I just mean not mortal, basically. So, so you have gods, you have angels, you have whatever. So whenever Samuel was an Elohim, described as an Elohim, right. this is the realm that he's in. Is, is that fair enough? Okay. Yes, gotcha. exactly. Thank you. Right. So if uh, if you are here living and walking on the earth, you are in the creation. If you're not, if you're dead or whatever, we're in LDS theology where if you're not uh, born yet, you know, they have pre-existence, then you would be in the realm of the divine at that point too. Okay. So here uh, in the top, we have the transcendent God who's in the divine realm, and then we have creation. And in my little formulation of what classical theism is here, uh, creation isn't, um, it, it's, it's not in the ancient Near Eastern pagan way of creating, like where, where you're taking uh, materials and organizing them, that kind of thing. So you just have uh, God creating by word or something along those lines, right? So you have fiat creation. Uh, you don't have, uh, the creation's not being populated by God or deities procreating there. Uh, and in, in this kind of an idea, you have the idea that miracles or angels or any kind of uh, realm crossing from the divine into the creation, that's what I would call a miracle or something like that. Those are exceptions to what this reality is, right? Mm -hmm. So this is uh, one of the big ways that God reveals himself. Now, in some forms of classical theism, you have the creation does have like a divine nature, um, so that kind of blurs the lines a bit. Uh, but if you don't think that creation has a divine nature, what you're getting from all of these um, crossings from the divine into the common is that uh, it's, these are exceptions. These are God or deity reaching down into creation, doing something that is abnormal, right? Okay. Um, so uh, in... Classical theism, you have a God that's, he's not dependent on anything. He doesn't need anything to survive. Uh, he might have various reasons for creating, right? Uh, there might be other deities in the transcendent realm or not. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we have Christ in this formulation, uh, that's the little cross there in the middle. Yeah. That's the major miracle. That's the miracle that everyone will historically point to as the maybe the the major proof for Christianity for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and what we often want is we want our own little miracles, we want our own little uh, communions, or uh, the divine coming down to us in order to reveal God to us, mm -hmm. uh, unless we can trust other people and their experiences, right? So that's kind of a person dependent thing on whether you're able to, to depend on other people or not, or you just really want your own experience, right? I think most of us are like that ladder, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, I mean, it's, it depends on the time of life, right? Too. Sure. Um, the younger you are, sometimes you're, you're going to think very differently than when you're older. Right. All right. So then uh, below that, I have LDS theology there. And uh Probably a lot of your people are not familiar with LDS theology, and probably a lot of them are. Um, 
But what we have going on here is this really strange back and forth that goes on between the divine and the mortal. Because what happens is that, well, let me back up a little bit. Uh, in LDS theology, the God who created the earth, our, where we live, our universe, our cosmos, whatever, he previously lived on another planet in another dimension or, or whatever you want to describe that as. He lived somewhere else and he had to live his life uh, obediently according to kind of the set laws of the ultimate um, absolute, I guess. So in this case, God is dependent on those overarching things. He's, he's dependent on that law and that... Um, uh, he doesn't get to be God unless he follows the laws that get him to be God, basically. From man to God, right? right. Gotcha. So then um, on the very far left, we have the first box at the top. Maybe I'll zoom in a bit. Yeah. At the top, it says uh, the very first box would be uh, the realm that Yahweh, the God of our universe, lived as a man. So he had a God before that. He was obedient. So he was able to cross the realm from the mortal to the divine to create his own realm. And that's the next box over. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So then we have Yahweh as God who used to be a man and now he is God. And he, he uses procreation, literal procreation with uh, the heavenly mother to populate the earth. Mm -hmm. So then when we are then, uh, obedient in the ways that we should be we get to cross over into the divine to become our own gods and so on and so forth so it's so it's a cycle a yeah gotcha so there's no ontological difference between god and man mm -hmm. the only difference is that god is really awesome and he was super obedient so he was able to do this awesome stuff and that's how he got to be where he is right right um oh and one thing I didn't mention about the first thing was about image and uh, like the image of God, what that might mean. Okay. That's dependent on what your classical theism is going to be. So it's kind of hard to, to parse that out in that one. But in LDS theology, the image of God is literally that's why we are ontologically like God, because we were made in his image. Right? Okay. There's no real difference between us other than that obedience factor. Right. So then... I kind of laid out where basic ancient Near Eastern paganism is. Uh, <clears throat> so in classical theism, you have a God who's not dependent. In LDS theology, you have a God who's very dependent on the natural law or, or whatever. In ancient Near Eastern paganism, you have gods who are dependent on... It, it's hard to kind of say where they are in, um, in ancient Near Eastern theology. Uh, it's stories, so it's not a whole lot of theological detail, right? right. But what we can tell is that the gods, in, in stories we have gods who created man. And usually they're creating man because they want something out of mankind. Mankind are their slaves of some sort. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's a dependent relationship between God or the gods of the nations and man, right? Mm -hmm. And usually the gods, once again, just like LDS theology, the gods procreate literal procreation they uh they're basically um like superhuman people 
They just live in a different realm. They probably have more power because they live in that different realm, right? Mm -hmm. So in the ancient Near Eastern idea of what an, the image of God would be, it would be either the idol in the temple or maybe the king who is supposed to represent the God of the territory to the people. Pharaoh in Egypt, for example. Exactly, yes. Gotcha. So there's a codependency that goes on, and there's not the same ontology that you have in LDS theology, but it's not a whole lot different. It's mostly that realm and power distinction that you have going on, right? Okay. So it's very transactional, very related on need and whim, and the gods behave just as ridiculously as humans do on Earth, basically. Yeah. Right. So then... Well, and, and maybe before we get into this, right, yeah. the, the, the main question right now I would ask is after a summary like that, where would we put the God of the Old Testament, the way that the God is portrayed in the Old Testament, if those were the only three options? Right, right. Right. So this, this not even going into how you're going to describe the Bible, but if those are the only right. three options, I don't think we can say pagan ancient Near Eastern in, in the fullest sense of the term, because right. you don't see God procreating. You, you see God speaking creation into existence. Like there's a number of things that, that start to kind of set apart who God is and how he relates to creation that doesn't really fit that doesn't really fit the LDS version. So you start to go like, I, I kind of get where you're going with some of the things. And we'll, we'll talk about some of those things where, where scripture talks about Yahweh in ways that seem a little bit more like this. Um, but there's plenty of stuff that's not like this at all. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what you're going to get into here. And, and so I just want to say like, right off the bat, this is partly why when we heard pagan, this is what we were thinking, right? We weren't mm -hmm. thinking, Oh, when you're saying that Yahweh is pagan, Yahweh is Molech. Right. Um, right. We could go there. And I just don't think that's that's what was meant at all by this. I think this kind of stuff is is what was meant by it. And this is what we want to start pushing back on. Right. right. I mean, we have plenty of people out there who will claim Yahweh was one of the pantheon of El and the Canaanite deities and all of that. That It's not necessarily that that's what uh, Vela is saying. We I don't know. He didn't go into enough detail to describe what he actually meant by that. What he meant was pretty clearly that there's a distinction between what he saw in the New Testament and paganism, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. And and in a way, that's kind of fair because paganism is defined as a foil for Christianity, right? It's the opposite of Christianity. So I, I think his use of the term was okay, and it was fair, and it was consistent with what he's seeing. And, and I hope we're, we're kind of zooming in on what he means. I don't know if we are. Maybe we're totally mm -hmm. off. I don't know. Yeah. But we're, we're trying not to assume too much in what he was saying there. Yeah. Right. I well, think. It, what, go ahead, Josh. I, I was no. just going to say that um, part of this is, is obviously pushback on what he said because we disagree. Um, but part of this is also just trying to lay some of the groundwork for the larger conversation about this. Um, so it doesn't all have to be exactly aimed at exactly what Tyler Vela said uh, or, or what Derek said. Um, that's in, in, in part just starting this conversation. Um, right. So where we're trying to be really clear about this is what we think exactly what they were saying. We'll try to say that. But otherwise, what we're trying to do is to address the general conversation. There is a bigger picture to look at here. And, and I think, you know, our audience needs to keep that in mind as well. I will say just to add to what Vela specifically said, I think Derek 
uh, as to him. So when whenever you say pagan, you mean that mm -hmm. Zeus or, or that Yahweh looks like Zeus. I think that was the exact word that, that that was used. And he said, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And so that was uh, that was interesting. So what so given that and everything that you all have just said, this is mapping on. And I'm really excited to hear about the Bible and how the Bible itself portrays God, because like Chairman, you and I were talking about, you know, off of air, there are spots in the Bible mm -hmm. where there's similarities, right? I mean, there are similarities. Now, in my research of Zeus that I'll bring to the table here in a little bit, I, there's vast differences by vast differences. And so go ahead, Carrie, um, if you mm -hmm. would. Okay, so I'm going to zoom in back here. There's a lot of information here. But basically what this is, is what is the top part, the classical theistic God here, but it's kind of expanded and clarified according to what the Bible says, right? Yeah. So we still have the, the divine and mortal distinction. They are both, as you can see, kind of written sideways. It says creation because the divine and the mortal realm they were both created by Yahweh. They were both created by God. So God is not a member of that creation, right? He's, he's expand. He's beyond that. So that's why I have the word God up there at the top. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no pre procreation that God is doing in order to fill the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, he yeah. is supernaturally creating it. He is, he is doing things into the world that, um, you know, to cause things to happen. But, but a lot of it is just this one-off thing. A lot of it is he's made the world and it's, it's very good, right? right? So we still have the idea of miracles or alternatively incursions from uh, wicked divine beings. We have uh, the revelation that comes from God in various ways, whether that be visions, whether that be uh, just the written word, whether that be angel visitations, uh, mm -hmm. anything like that. But uh, I don't think those are his main revelation to humankind. Um, they're a big part of it, don't get me wrong, but they are not the way that most people are going to learn about God. Uh, I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but these uh, crosses between the divine and the mortal can also be deception from the evil spirits and things like that. So um, what's really essential here to, to, to see the difference? In my classical theism, I couldn't really land on where the image would be, how the image would be defined in general mm -hmm. for classical theism. It's too broad. There's too many ideas with it. But in... The Bible, the image is very particularly described as the image of the Creator God, and uh, so we we were made in God's image. We are to represent Him. It's a participatory thing rather than a transactional thing, yeah. like the ancient Near Eastern thing. So already we're seeing a whole lot of uh, subtle subtleties, but really important subtleties. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are. And so, and then when Christ comes, that is the major miracle and all of that, because he is the, uh, the express image of God. He is the fullness of the image. And he comes down, and then what happens? We get filled with his spirit. So we also become not only just the image of God, but also the image of Christ, which means that we alone and collectively as a body 
we become part of that incarnation of God into the world. So that's why I have this whole circle around the whole thing there, because creation isn't just kind of left there hanging. It, it is encompassed and it is filled by God himself. Um, so we, we were, uh, so we, we, so it's kind of this integrated whole and God's not dependent on it, but he uses it and he wants its the creation's participation. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, so down here, I just wrote some notes about how in this view, we have the idea that the barrier between the divine and mortal has been breached and has been breached in a way that is not breached in any other formulation, right? And so because of that, we have the evidence of God that is found in a nuanced and a very broader way than it can be found in any other theology because no other theology has God coming into the world, fixing the world, indwelling humanity. Uh, and so not only do we have miracles, not only do we have revelation in word and in all these other ways, uh, special revelation, general revelation, uh, people have had angels, people have had visitations, all of that, but we have the body of Christ, which is each other to be the actual incarnation and actual evidence of God in the world. Right? Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, that's like far expanding what the, the idea of, it encompasses the idea of the God of classical theism, but it goes beyond it. And I think this explains everything in the Bible and everything that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I also think that there are some points of connectivity into how the ancient Near Eastern people understood their gods, um, how they, the gods presented themselves, depending on kind of how you, which side you want to take, that coin you want to take. Um, but in, in many, many cases, what we see is that the points of connection are also points of contrast. Uh, so um, just in, in like really high, you know, high level points, right? You have things like the image of God, right? Okay, you know, who is the image of God in the ancient Near East? It's, it's either the idol or the king. Right. So it's either like one dude or it's like literally like this thing that isn't animate is my representative on Earth. And you start thinking about that and scripture is pretty clear about, uh, in, in insulting that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and yet in, in scripture, what we see is that humanity is created in the image of God. And, and so you very much have a sense that the living God has living, breathing imagers that walk the earth. They can do things. We embody God in some uh, very um, specific ways. Um, and, and obviously, there are a lot of things that people did in the Old Testament. There are a lot of things that people do now that don't embody God in good ways, right? right. They're not representing God well, but they were made for that purpose, right? Uh, and, and so part of what we see with, 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 um, with Christ coming with Christianity is this understanding that we are the body of Christ. We're part of the incarnation. We're filled with a the spirit. There's a very real sense in which we are like the walking, if you will, the living, moving, breathing, walking idols of God, not in the sense that we accept worship, right? That's different. Um, but in the sense that like, that is what the image of God was meant to be, right? So we're not defining the image of God by saying, oh, it's kind of like idolatry. We're saying, no, idolatry is actually an attempt to imitate what the image of God was, what God created people to be. And it's a very poor imitation, yeah. right? So to say that Yahweh is pagan and then look at the way the pagans worshiped their gods with 
idols of wood and stone instead of idols of flesh and bone. With like, these are all deep contrasts in scripture that start from the very beginning. And, and so for me, I think one of the questions that I would have and, and one of the challenges I would have for the way that things were presented in that podcast is if you're looking at things and you're saying what I see in the Old Testament is very pagan and what I see in the New Testament is classical theism and they must have kind of evolved somewhere. When did that happen? Right. Because what we see in Genesis 1 is very different from the way the ancient Near Eastern people understood their gods. What we see in Genesis right. 1 is like... Uh, like see Genesis nine is, is you have, you know, Noah sacrifice after the flood, God smells the aroma. And he's like, I'm pleased. This is good. And now I want to enter into covenant with you because you are relating to me properly. Right. As opposed to after some of the other myths we have in the ancient Near East, where the gods are like on it, like flies because they're starving because they need those sacrifices. To right. Live. That's right. a fundamental difference in the way that things are approached. It's not. So to say that Yahweh was basically a pagan parochial deity is to ignore a lot of very, very fundamental, very big things that mm -hmm. define God differently than the way that pagans understood their gods. Uh, so <laughs> my passion is coming out. No, <laughs> I think it's good because and and Carrie, I loved what you said about how like the gods were there. There was a codependency in the ancient Near Eastern scheme of things with exactly. the, the people, they were dependent on the gods. But just like you said, Sherman, the gods were dependent on the people as well. And this is why they didn't care if you worshiped other gods, right? You get your little bit from this god, you get your little bit from that god. Everybody's happy at the end of the day, right? They benefit, you benefit. The more benefits, the better, right? But you god, just better not abandon the worship of a particular god or you'll piss them Because they off, lose right? those benefits, right? right. Yeah, it's like... And you don't see that with Yahweh. The very first commandment, the very first commandment you see whenever he creates a covenant people at this point is, you shall not worship any other god but me, right? Mm -hmm. Why? This is the way in, in, in the A&E &E culture, this is the way to get made fun of. It, it, from from every other yeah. context, from every other religion that's out there, they are looking at you funky. Why? Why would your God not want you to worship other gods? That's silly, right? Yeah. Well, and 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 you can take it even further, right? You get into into Exodus twenty eight and the ways that the high priest is described, right? The high priest is basically dressed up like the, the same way that Canaanites dressed up their idols, right? Right. So there's very much a sense where if you were a Canaanite and you walked into the temple and you saw the priest of Yahweh doing what priests of Yahweh do, A, you would be just stammer, like stammering, like, I don't even know how to understand and, and process what I'm seeing because there's no idol here to accept sacrifices, right? The other thing that you would instantly see is the priest is basically dressing up the same way you dress your idols, the, the messaging you're going to get is you play with dolls. I worship the living God, right? right? Like it's, it's very much in your face. It's an insult yeah. and it's meant to be that way to the people that lived around Israel. Yeah. So again, to say pagan, it's, it's kind of like, well, like I, I can see ways that you, you may see a mismatch in some of the details in the old Testament. Right. From the way that classical theism understands God, which again, we'll talk about. Um, but to say, to use the term pagan, it misses all of this kind of co contrast. 
it it just feels very very flat to me and and it actually kind of amazes me to to hear someone say that when i know that they've studied scripture as as deeply as 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 really both of those guys have uh, right. so um yeah i i don't know it's just it it troubles so, me and that's partly why i was like we need to do an episode on this yeah well like you and i were talking off off of air sherman is that mm -hmm. you know if you zoom in and only look at those details that you're talking about mm -hmm. but completely forget about or neglect to even look at the bigger picture of what's going on here then of course if that's all that's in the forefront of your mind right is yeah. the details that seem off without viewing it from you know like carrie was saying with that disconnect in mind mm -hmm. then of course you're going to have problems right but taking all of these things together and let's see how we can i don't know if harmonize is the right word but yeah. let's see how they go together in a sense i guess that would be harmonization but what what do we see is there differences and i think tyler would have to admit that yeah of course there's differences uh, unless like i said you've just forgot about it or you're neglecting to look at those things seriously which i don't think he is so yeah no i think he's very serious absolutely of course. um yeah so like one of the points of contrast um we started to talk a little bit about sacrifice right um and it's i'm kind of skipping a little bit down in in, in the order of things um yeah i i think it's a really big one right because um this gets a little bit more into some of the things that someone might mean by pagan, right? Mm -hmm. um, this is the kind of stuff that I, I, I doubt that, um, you know, Tyler meant by any of this, right? So, um, you know, again, we're not saying that he thinks Yahweh is Molech, right? Yeah, um, we're not saying that he thinks Yahweh is Molech. All right. I don't is know that what that was. I don't know. It just uh, says we, DD. Yeah, we have someone else that joined in. I think it's probably DL. It's me! Yeah, it's, it's you? It's me! It's David! It's you. It's me. It's Dave. It's David. Hey, man, oh, wow. I really love y'all's conversation so far. So I was like, dude, I got to oh, get wow. here. I got to <laughs> get here and like at least provide something here. Because yeah. like what you guys are saying, what you're not saying yeah. is all these details that, that Tyler is pushing through. Like it's like right on the tip of your tongue. And the biggest thing is there's people often forget uh, correlation does not mean causation. Yes. Right. So, Absolutely, like, yes. you can find these Absolutely. similarities in paganism, right? And it doesn't necessarily mean that the uh, that that they got it from these these pagan cultures or oh, yeah. gods like Yahweh or Yahweh's like yeah. a pagan oh, yeah. or something like that. So, correlation doesn't yeah. necessarily mean causation, right? Yeah. Uh, well, as Michael Jones think... puts it, you know. Yeah. The Marvel well, comic and, book and Thor is not actually the Thor of, uh, you know, <laughs> North Norse religion, right. right? But but because they correlate in some right. ways, you know, and he even gives them the name, they're not the same. You know what yeah. I mean? And one of the things that I was yeah. thinking though is that what what is so beautiful about like the Bible is this idea of like monotheism, right, mm -hmm. versus polytheism, right? So there's a scholar, a lot of scholarship that points to paganism and polytheism being first right. in the ancient Near East. But now there's a right. lot of scholarship that is actually pointing, saying, um, we think now that monotheism might have been first, mm -hmm. then paganism. Yeah. Which uh, is very wild. It, it's very telling. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and it goes Go beyond ahead. that, too. I'm sorry. Um, well, because it goes... it's not just the ancient Near East. Right. So... 
um, if you if you look at and this is one of the things I was going to bring up later. <laughs> um, so, but you know, we can talk about it now. Um, if you look at the way that different people have understood and studied religion, uh, and some of the terms that were used, um, they, um, oh yeah, heck yeah, let's bring him on if he, if he's available. Yeah, um, Ty, he's, Tyler, he said mind. he wants to come on. So, yeah. Rob, if you're still Sweet. watching, uh, <laughs> I'm getting ready to send you a, a, an invite, bro. Sweet. So, so um, hang out for a second. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, so essentially, if you look at the way that people have understood and studied religion um, back, you know, post enlightenment, uh, the last couple hundred years, pe what people have basically done is they, they looked at things and they started to try to, to study what came first. Right. Was it monotheism, polytheism, animism? What happened? And a lot of what you see is a narrative in in scholarship that. Um, that animism or polytheism were first and then things kind of evolved into this higher level of of understanding and that's when you get monotheism as the pinnacle of of all religion right um the problem with that is that if you actually go in and you start to really deeply study things uh culturally um and uh even linguistically so andrew lang did a lot of language studies on this wilhelm schmidt did like some very deep like 10 volumes on this that were all very large Right. And you can't even get most of it in English. Like, I think it's like it's in German and you can get like one of them partially in English. Right. Um, did a ton of study on this. And, and basically what he did is he said, OK, um, if you look at cultures, right, the cultures that are the oldest are, are, are uh, the ones that are, are the, usually going to be the, on the boundaries of things, because what happens is the cultures that don't advance get pushed out by more advanced cultures. So they end up getting kind of pushed out to the boundaries. And if you look on the boundaries of, of culture and more isolated places, and you start to, to talk with these people and, and understand what different people have studied, then you start to see like, actually like they may have polytheism and animism somewhere in their thinking, but a lot of them actually have this idea of a high God that created everything. They just think that he's, he's more distant. And so they interact primarily with the gods so of polytheism and, or they interact the primarily with the, with the animist spirits. Right. And that right. answers the question. And you know what's funny is we get wrapped up. Oh, I'm sorry. I was oh, just going to say one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, before I, I, I got to get off. Yeah, so. uh, but go yeah, and I agree. I, I totally agree. Go when you find on the outskirts, you find uh, that more monotheistic belief. But uh, one of the other things I, I really wanted to point to was uh, the fact that um, it's a genetic fallacy of who came first anyway. We love we love mm -hmm. trying to see who came first and say, well, they had to borrow if they came first. But that's right. just a genetic fallacy. You know, we've got to remember that, that, you know, just because something first was first doesn't mean it's true, you know, or right. that we have the earlier writings of it doesn't right. mean it's true. And that's yeah. that's one thing that's got to be clear. And yeah. a lot of people don't don't do that because we're under the 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 I think the boot of secular um, historicity. Yep. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get a little bit more into uh, original monotheism, uh, Winfried Cordoan wrote a, a really good book, uh, kind of summarizing the works of of. Uh, Andrew Lang and Wilhelm Schmidt called In the Beginning God, a fresh look at the case of original monotheism. Um, so that would be a, a great thing to pick up if you want to want to dive into that a bit more. What's up, Rob? Blessings to all of you. <laughs> Hi, Rob. Blessings, brother. It's good to see you. It's been a while. 
Yes. It has. It has been yeah. a while. How have you been? Very busy. I hear this you. year has been a roller coaster, but mm. uh, I'm I'm basically living out Psalm 23. Um, shepherd imagery, providential stuff happening. Not too much, not too little, just the right amount. Right on. Right so on. Praise God for that. Amen. 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 All right. Well, Josh, go ahead, brother, if you want to, <laughs> or Rob, if you want to. I, I know you was wanting to jump on. Um, who who drew this up? This is awesome. That That's would scary. Be me. Yeah. Ooh. Did you see the whole thing? Were you? No, I only just got. I only. I only just okay. got like maybe the last ten minutes when I sent well, that I'm message. Zoom out then, so you can see the whole thing. Ah, okay. So I was comparing classical theism, LDS theology, ancient Near Eastern paganism, and the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to see a shot I made? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. I decided to summarize Heiser's work. So, nice. Here's the three rebellions here. Oh, very Deuteron nice. 32 People situation always here. People always want a chart like yeah. this. Mm -hmm. So this this uh, this is in a nutshell what your chart is trying to represent. But I just I yeah. the funny thing is I was already doing this like a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was I was designing this for a commentary on Daniel um, with Daniel 11. So at mm. 10 and 11. So yeah. Um, Sweet. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, nice. one of the things that, that David was saying is, is you know, really just talking about the relationship between, um, especially ancient Near Eastern paganism and and what we see in scripture. And, um, you know, this idea that people have that, um, you know, if, if something is older, it must be the source for the newer thing. And, and the fact that, that often is a genetic fallacy. Um, I think there's there are other places we can go with that too. There's actually a positive way we can push back on that whole narrative. And I think that the Deuteronomy 32 worldview gives us exactly the framework for doing that. It's not necessarily going to prove it to a skeptic, but this idea that God has a council of angelic divine beings, how in whatever phrases you need to use to, to kind of understand that and in, in how you understand things until you get a little bit more into some of this and understand the terminology and the way it should be used. Um, he has a council of, of these, these beings and um, he does things in the court of heaven, just like a king would. Right. And uh, if you start to think about that and then you say, okay, if there was a point when some of these beings rebelled, they would know a lot of things about the way that the courts of heaven work. They would now know a lot of things about the way that the cosmos works. So right. it's not actually surprising to find similarities between what Israel was doing and um, and uh, things that we see in Egypt, uh, like some of the stuff that, that God told Moses to make for the tabernacle, right? It's like, oh, well, that resembles stuff that for Egyptian worship. It's like, A, Moses was probably somewhat familiar with that. So it's an easy shortcut to say, I want you to make something like this because you kind of understand it and, 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 and you can get after it. But also those what we see in egypt could very much just be built around an imitation of the worship of the true living god right um mm -hmm. that's how i see that fitting together and i think it provides a framework for pushing back against this evolutionary framework of understanding religion and saying that israel basically just borrowed everything from canaan <laughs> mm -hmm. Does that makes sense yeah yeah are you familiar with Dwayne garrett's work on the exodus book not specifically um, so Kriegel publication, he, he wrote a commentary on Exodus, uh, 2014 publication. He has a very interesting take 
right in line with what you're just saying there. He has a very interesting take on Exodus 3.14. Where a lot of the translations read something like, um, uh, Jesus said, uh, sorry, Moses asked him, what is his name? What should I say to them? And God says, I am who I am. Yeah. Tell the Israelites that I am sent me to you. But Dwayne Garrett says that you can translate it like this. And God said to Moses, this is who I am. I am. Like, hmm. This is who I am, and then quotation marks, I am. Mm. And it, it, he then is tackling with the latest scholarship, Egyptological scholarship like Hofmeier's work, mm. where the very fact that Moses asked the question, what is your name, or what is his name, if they were asking me what's his name, that's actually an Egyptian, uh, I'm sort of trying to paraphrase it in a simple way, that's the same sort of question that's usually asked of the Egyptian gods. Mm. So in other words, I am thought, I am Seth, I am... And, and these, these deities are then associated with some sort of phenomena. Mm. God says, I am. <laughs> I, and I'm there's a, no... This, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, like, I'm I am a what? I'm with existence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah. like that, but that's that, that's exactly what you're trying to get at, and I, that 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 just triggered exactly mm -hmm. what I just read from Dwayne Garrett's commentary. It's like I am. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and uh, yeah. I remember... Okay, finish finish your sentence. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I remember yeah. Dr. Heiser talking about this and basically saying, you know, what you have is this, um, you know, this this verb, which is basically like to be, right? But also mm -hmm. the way that it's formed in the, in the grammar, it's the one who causes to be. And so you have kind of mm -hmm. have both of those ideas wrapped up in the same, same sense of, of the name of God. And it's very interesting mm -hmm. because, you know, if that's really what we're seeing there, right, how much of a gap is there between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Not much, right? Especially when mm -hmm. you see, you know, Jesus using I am. You have um, him, you know, I, he basically says, like, I'm the one who is. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Like, he uses some of the same terminology you see in the Septuagint. Uh, and the church fathers pick up on this right away. Like, Irenaeus, one of the first things that he writes on the apostolic preaching, he's saying, you know, it's the son that spoke from the from the burning bush. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so very much this this kind of. I feel like there's a lot of continuity there that you don't see if all you see is there's some things in the Old Testament that sound a little bit more like the way that people mm. understood the pagan gods. And then you don't put that in the context of divine accommodation. You don't put that in the context of of people needing to to unlearn what they've learned about divine beings and learn the truth about the one living God. Mm -hmm. So here's Dwayne Garrett just to quickly show just yeah. so you guys can see it for itself. So in short, what is his name implies a specific set of presuppositions about the deity whom Moses will claim to represent. It suggests that he is not unique but one of many gods, that he is geographically limited to a special place or cult, that he has certain areas of specialization, whether it be making babies or ruling of the dead, and it suggests that Yahweh is somewhere in the hierarchy of deities with some gods above and some below. In short, his name is a way to distinguish him from all the other gods in the pantheon. But mm. here's where it gets interesting. So it is in this light that we must understand the answer, I am. Uh, although God will accept the name Yahweh, the title I am set against the pagan context of the question rejects the very idea of a name for God. He is not like Amun or Ta. He cannot be assigned a place in identity of the cosmos as one of the gods. 
in the most ultimate sense, he has no name. He, sim- he is simply I am. Mm. So I, this is why I prefer... I'll just quickly zoom in on the translation. So this is how he translates the verse. And God said to Moses, this is who I am. And you can actually <laughs> disconnect, disconnect the Hebrew in this sense. I yeah. am. So I am has sent me to you. It's like... <laughs> no, it, no, you're dealing with a point. whole new like, level. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. You know, it's like I. What do you mean, I am? Like, but that's the point. You know, so yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, talk about a transcendent deity. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when you look at you know Francesca's works, the God and Anatomy book that she's just published, and all that nonsense, and you know the, the so-called pagan associations, like it's just, yeah. <sighs> you know anyway i'm not going down that rabbit hole and and, and we don't even have to say that people are making that stuff up right the bible is full of of descriptions of people getting it Mm. wrong and therefore it's full of people in israel getting it wrong so it's not Mm. really a surprise to me when we have things like yahweh and his asherah and people go oh like Israelite religion was, you know, had a had a, a queen of heaven and all this stuff, and and they go off on this on one thing that they found, and it's like, okay, what you found is evidence for somebody having that opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. What does that mean, right? It certainly mm-hmm. doesn't match with what we see in a lot of the rest of Scripture when we start talking about how the Old Testament describes God, and. I think it, it becomes pretty clear in some of the other ways that the Old Testament talks about God that that's an aberration. It's not actually like this is the core of what Israel believed and what they were supposed to believe according to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Like, by the way, do you run? Are you an admin of the Divine Council group? I am on Facebook. Uh, oh, a mod, I'm a moderator. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sweet. Yeah, actually, I'm both supposing of us are. as well. Carrie, Ke- you're both. Yes. Sweet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's partly why we bring Heiser into a lot of these conversations is, is that we're, we're pretty familiar with all, (laughs) with all that stuff. And um, we need to do a divine council, like fellowship or something, you know, like instead of just having like a, you know, text-based group, like. That would be awesome. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think of about what we've covered and what we haven't and other things we might want to talk about. So, um, I guess one of the other things that becomes very obvious uh, when you look at this and you start looking at, at the Divine Council worldview, that chart that you put up. Uh, in fact, do you want to put that back up on the screen? That would be, I think, maybe helpful. Which one uh, carries one or the one that you uh, the one, the one that you had? The one run. I made. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What you have I, in Scripture. I, I don't know where. Uh... Oh. Oh, do we need? Oh, I think Tyler needs to be the one to to publish yeah, it. Tyler has to do it. Okay, <laughs> he walked away for a sec. Okay, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll put it. I'll put it in my back background over here. So oh, I'll change it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Listen, I'll just get hack. it up. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, convenience. So... <laughs> there we go. Oh wait. Oh wait. No, no. I'll, I'll try and like zoom it out. Yeah. Let's see. Um, but yeah, I, I think but one keep of the speaking. things that's yeah. super helpful with this is, is that it gives us a framework for understanding the relationship of, of Orthodox Israelite theology and paganism, and therefore Christianity and paganism as we start to, to, to look at these things. And to say, you know, 
the Babel event was huge. But where where do you want to start specifically? I'll zoom in specifically on. Yeah, any, I'm any thinking area. specifically on on Babel. Um, okay. Uh, they, yeah. God wait, divides I'll mankind move, by move the number myself. of the sons of God. That's perfect. <laughs> there we go. There yeah. We go. Um, and, and and this is stuff. I mean, I, I know that Tyler Vela is is well versed in, in in this stuff. So this is not going to be a surprise to him. It's not any kind of gotcha. It's just it's laying out some of the frameworks so that people that are hearing what the kinds of stuff that he and Derek were talking about can have a way to approach this and say, okay, like some of the stuff you were saying, I feel like it makes sense to me. Does it? How do I look at this? How do I understand my Bible, right? And um, really, when we look at it, if if you have this idea that God is the one who divided up the nations, and, and the nations are in you know Genesis ten, there's a list of them, and, and this happens at Babel in Genesis eleven, and this ties into Deuteronomy thirty two eight and nine, and and God doing the dividing, like all of that sets the stage then for this idea of tribal deities, right? Mm it sets the stage for you're from this land. This is your God. This is how you're mm -hmm. supposed to, mm -hmm. that's how pagans understood the world. And it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's how Israel understood the world until the Exodus, right? right? Because then they got the sense that, wait a minute, there's all these gods in Egypt, but this God that Moses is talking about just opened a can of whoop. You know what? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, like that's crossing those boundaries of territory mm -hmm. that that's, that's doing something we're not used to seeing. We're starting to maybe have our understanding of God open up a bit more into being something larger than just this territorial. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's where we see parts of Genesis, even talking into it in creation. It's like, if you're going to give an account of creation and you, and you don't mention things like slaying the sea monster and, and all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. like, that's very much trying to drag people out of that way of thinking and saying, no, 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 this God is different and you need to understand that. Let me help you understand it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this, this view, which again, you, you did a good, very good job summarizing it, but this view basically only, it can only be coherent if you take. So from this point all the way up mm -hmm. as one continuous narrative that then leads to what so to, to use Tolkien's terminology, the the U catastrophe, the mm -hmm. the unexpected joyful catastrophe of you know the resurrection, which is mm -hmm. as Colossians two fourteen and fifteen get at, Jesus is parading through the streets, <laughs> yeah. basically these gods, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like his his victory in the resurrection. Um, so when, I mean, Tyler's a good friend. Uh, I'm talking about Vela here. He's a good friend. I I still have a lot of respect for him. I I do need to have that discussion with him. Like I don't know why he's. Uh, I understand his deconversion because I'm an ex-atheist myself. So I, he's I I firm. This is just my subjective opinion. He's reacting against the fundamentalist sort of Christianity that that mm. he used to hold on to. But then he's just. I in fact I wouldn't say him, but again like. Like Myth Vision and um, mm. Francesca, Francesca's book and the anatomy stuff, they're just isolating all these passages and saying, "Oh, like when Isaiah has his vision in Isaiah six, oh, that's not at all connected to that that deity or whatever that vision was is is just unique for that moment and for that author, maybe mm. even in a redactional sense, some Isaiah author like in the post-exilic period, yeah. like." That has no connection to say the the I am of Exodus three, 
well that's has no connection to the the el elyon of deuteronomy 32 which is the yes. you know the the genesis 11 situation okay the moment you stop taking scissors and cutting it up and doing like a really radical like even something wellhausen himself wouldn't do <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh yeah. then yeah you can you can make anything you want out of it and you can make multiple god like in other words yahweh becomes like multiple yahweh depiction like he becomes like this modalistic god but at the same time he's not connected to any of the stories he's yeah it's always a like like another it's it's <laughs> it's like it's like how we 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 do remix <laughs> you know you know it's like how we we remake or remaster something mm -hmm. it's like isaiah's depiction of yahweh is like no i think he's this way mm -hmm. and then when jose comes along no i think he's this way no and this is the brilliance of heiser's work let's just put the whole thing as one continuous like the lord of the rings the 12 hours worth of jackson's lord of the rings just in one continuous play and see how the, it plays out. And the, if there is a genuine contradiction, it, sh it, it will come out mm -hmm. if, you, if you go along with that trajectory. Guess what? Yeah. There is no contradiction. It, the, it, you know, Genesis 1 starts with Tahom, the chaotic waters. And Revelation 21 starts with, and there's no more Tahom. There's no <laughs> more sea. Right. Like, the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation fits. Yes. So, but... <laughs> Guess what? I'm theologically yeah. biased to go that trajectory, right? So, uh... <laughs> well, and and if if I yeah. were going to press that point even more, right? This is one of those places where, um, I, I'll go ahead and pick the fight, um, with 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 Calvinism and with the way that that they understand Romans nine. Um, I think when you do that, you actually are reading it in a way that disconnects it from all of this context too. Um, whereas if you read it and you say, what Paul is doing is he's using Pharaoh and he's saying Pharaoh was hardened in order to bring about the redemption of Israel from Egypt to bring mm -hmm. about the, and, and, and Paul literally says this, right? He comes out and says mm -hmm. like, I have raised you up for this purpose, quoting from Exodus, like, this is why I'm doing this, right? So that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth, right? If that's your mm -hmm. understanding of the Exodus and then you say, okay, Paul is using this and he's he's saying it in this time and in this place as the gospel is spreading as you know Christ has been crucified as the the mm -hmm. principalities and powers have been paraded through the streets as people you know over time right people are going to start to see more and more that this is actually the conquering of all is, the gods a, of the nations act right? 17 is hitting at home at that point that of yes. Colossians 2:15 yeah yeah, it's 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 yeah. the conquering of all the gods of the nations and, mm. and God's name being proclaimed throughout all of the earth. That is what Paul is pointing to. It's the parallel that he's making. He's saying the hardening that you are fighting against, that you are railing against right here, A, it's not permanent because we go into Romans 11 and we see that. But B, mm -hmm. it's partial. It's only part of Israel. And it's Israel. It's not individual people, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah. like... It's for this purpose. It's for the purpose of the propagation of the gospel and then proclamation of the victory of God mm -hmm. over the gods of the nations. When you have this mm -hmm. context and then you see how all that connects together, like it's very powerful. It's very beautiful. Mm -hmm. It all fits mm -hmm. together. There isn't a sense of disconnectedness. And and I, I, the I must the mustard. Yeah, go ahead. No, finish your point. Yeah, no. I, I, no, was I was just, just going to say the mustard seed motif when yeah. Jesus uses the cosmic tree motif, right? Mm -hmm. So the twelve apostles is the mustard seed. 
that is a hyperbolic image, right? Because, you know, the atheists are like, oh, that's unscientific. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't keep reading because it's also unscientific for a mustard seed to become a cosmic tree. But that's, 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 that's the point oh, of the, hy <laughs> that's the point of the hyperbole is that the 12 right. suddenly becomes, by the time he reaches Constantine, the whole Mediterranean is Christian. Mm-hmm. Like by the 300s AD, I can actually yeah. get. I, in fact, I've made a chart on that. I'll show you the nice the spread. But uh, before I do that, um, yeah. it, if you wanted, to, I think you wanted the uh, uh, tile. If you bring up the the other chart, like yeah. I'm sharing my screen, because you wanted to touch on this. Oh Either yeah, you carry or yeah. No, yeah, I was just talking about the the dividing in the nations. And the fact that that sets up all of these things, it sets up the framework in which cosmic geography is understood. It sets up the framework in which you have tribal deities. It sets up the framework in which ancient Aryan people would have understood their gods to be tribal. It sets up the framework in which Israel needs to unlearn that about Yahweh as they start mm -hmm. to encounter him and learn who he is. Right. So this sets up a framework that helps you to understand why we see things in the Bible that look like this is a tribal deity. Right. Um, mm. it's, 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 it's them having to learn that th that's actually not who Yahweh is. And it's the process of, of God working salvation history to the point where the conquering of all those gods happens to where things get cleared out. And then you see like, oh, this is the revealing of the perfect image of God on the cross. Yeah. Right. And, and that, like, you think about seeing the perfect image of God on the cross. It's like, why would I why would I bother to, to 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 worship an idol when I when I've seen this? I've seen the self-giving love of Christ, right? Hmm. So oh, wow. this is just a tongue-in-cheek point. From this to this, right? Yeah. Now here's here's a map depiction. So this is Christianity in 45 AD. Okay. So there's the yellow regions over here. So Rome and Jerusalem in 45 AD. Paul dies around 67 AD. Right. Here is Christianity in 325 AD. Bam. <laughs> the mustard wow. seed was proven right. Yeah. And that's why Augustine, they're all wondering if this is it, because Augustine writes City of God, right? Mm. And they're all wondering, is this? <laughs> but they don't seem to realize that, nah, the world is a lot mm -hmm. bigger than, yeah. Yeah. So. But I mean, if you take that concept, Rob, and then just apply it to today's standards, right? I mean, what? We've got 1.5 billion Catholics. We've got 800 million Protestants. We've got 250 million, give or take, you know, mm -hmm. Eastern Orthodox. Yeah. That, what you just showed in 325 AD, has blossomed even more into where we're at now. And is continuing. Yeah, they, they had no life. concept of billions, you know, right. population of billions, <laughs> right? Right. And the, yeah. the concept of population of billions is only in the last... 200 years two 300 years it's it's very recent this exponential growth and population yeah so, so in revelation guys... 7 where yeah. where john says there's a multitude in heaven that can't be numbered <laughs> that is yeah. also another prediction come true who would have thought the human race would reach 8 billion people at the moment it's it's yeah yeah it's amazing so would you yeah. guys say just you know we're at the hour and 16 mark right now Sherman, yeah. and I know you'd said something about an hour and a half. We can go longer. I, I mean, I'm good for that if you guys want to. But yeah. where we are right now, given this, and I might have missed this whenever my internet dropped, so please forgive me for that. Still trying to work out the bugs. we got a tech coming over on Friday, so hopefully none, no more of that will be happening any time after Friday. But where we are right now, 
Would yeah. you all say that given what you just said, Sherman, about, you know, how this framework portrays Yahweh in the sense that the A&E culture at the time, right? Yeah. The, the culture that Israel as just a tiny nation, I mean, from Abraham to Moses, I mean, think about it. This is what, 400 years in Egyptian exile. These mm -hmm. people are steeped with yeah. the pagan deities that are roaming around. And given the fact that it takes Yahweh so long, I mean, you still got problems in the king's time, judges, really. Yeah. But even after the king's, and the prophets, and just all the way through the Old Testament. So would you all say that's one of our main points and our main pushbacks, is that the Old Testament is teaching that Yahweh is fundamentally separate yes. from these ancient Near Eastern pagan deities. Yeah. yeah, and, In and the I trickle think, effect. Yeah. Mm. In say more about effect. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, say more about that. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I'm just... Yeah. If you want, you can, you can continue this all if you want, but... <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just saying trickling effect in the sense, you know, uh, Tyler, when he said uh, it's like it's like a small little band of rebels, I suppose, uh, you mm. know, like in Star Wars, where ever so slightly they're just about able to just get by, just get by, just get by. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 1 starts with God in fragmentary ways, was speaking through the prophets and this and that. And that but now in these last days, finally in its final complete full form in his son mm -hmm. so um yeah like the like the third rebellion genesis 11 communicates just the absolute fragmentary nature of mm -hmm. the images of god then the nations yeah god's not going to lose his fight satan's temptation at christ shows how powerful actually satan is that he right. does rule the world he does own the nations that's why he's that close to testing jesus hey you know, I know you're the cloud rider. Cloud rider means the angels hold up the, the throne. That's why it's like, throw yourself off because the, you know, the angels will catch you. That that sort of language imagery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but Jesus is not going to fall for that for that test. And um, so the point, okay, but in a roundabout way in regards to the, you know, the topic of the discussion, mm -hmm. if you put the whole thing together, it's the same deity uh Past, you know, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. That that sort of language from Genesis one right through, and it's and if I wouldn't even call it liberal scholarship. This is like worse than liberal scholarship. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about God, the anatomy, that book where you where you dissect depictions of God as as if these are like not at all connected. Right. Mm -hmm. You're being not only anachronistic, but you're even being ahistorical because notice that God who, like, kind of like when we, I mentioned a moment ago with, through Dwayne Garrett's point that he is the I am, mm -hmm. which means he transcends creation, which means he's timeless. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the only way is this continuous kenosis or emptying or like accommodation with yes. a growing <clears throat> evolution of the language, the culture, and so on. So if, if he's talking to Abraham, he has to deal with a Sumerian sort of dialect. If he's mm -hmm. talking with Moses, he has to deal with that Egyptian thing. If he's talking with, say, Daniel and Ezekiel in Babylon, mm -hmm. like an Aramaic, Babylonian, cuneiform sort of thing. Yeah. Jesus is obviously Greek. So, notice I'm expecting God through the hindsight now of anthropology and, you know, human development as through the ages, 
and exactly what you're saying like when you look at judges and kings and and all the drama and and this trickle effect mm-hmm. yeah it's the gods are you know the other gods are also trying to keep ahead of the whole thing mm-hmm. but then the true god he's he's got his plans all still set he's working his way forward right and then the mm-hmm. john 316 moment so um yeah i it's once you see it all together it, why reject it that's my question back to the mm. to people like myth vision why reject it yeah like yeah. is it too good to be true is you know it's anyway but go ahead sherman i know you're you're your oh. wheels are turning over there. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that there's a few things that I think I would call out, right? So, um, yeah. you know, if we're, if we're talking about divine accommodation, right, I think that accounts for a lot of what we see when we see the things that Tyler Vela is seeing in the Old Testament where he's saying, this doesn't fit, this feels pagan, this feels tribal, this feels uh, like a national deity. It doesn't feel like the God of classical theism. It's like, you know, yeah, in a lot of ways, you're right, because they didn't understand that yet. And they're still wrestling with it. And they're, and they're, they're trying to figure out how to present this. And so you see things like at Babel, God says, let us go down and see what they're doing. Right. What do you do with that? Right. If you're a literalist, you go, God doesn't know. He's not omniscient. He must actually go down. So he's not omnipresent. Like you get into some really crazy thoughts. And I'm not saying that this is the way that Tyler Vale reads that passage, by the way. Like that. I'll, I'll leave that up to him if he wants Some to say do. how he reads it. But, a lot, <laughs> yeah. but there are a lot of people that see things that way, and it can get them thinking some of the same kinds of things that, that Tyler Vale has been saying about how the Old Testament portrays Yahweh, right? right. Um, and, but if you look at it and you say, like, in the ancient Near East, if you were a king, if you were a god, and you wanted to demonstrate to people that you are acting justly in your judgment of someone, what do you do? right? You say, I have taken a look. I have seen this for myself, right? And I, I can tell this is worthy of my judgment. This is what now I am going to act and I'm going to act justly. It's communicating the justice of God, right? So that kind of a thing is, is communicating something that we just don't even see because we don't think that way. And then it can communicate things that it never intended to communicate if we're thinking the way we do in more materialistic terms. And then we can get all twisted around. So that kind of a thing, I think, is, is one thing you can put in one box. The other thing I would bring up is just with Abraham. And if you want to talk about a contrast, right? Yeah. yeah. How do you understand the binding of Isaac, right? People like have heartburn over the fact that God calls him to sacrifice his son. Oh, he's just like the God. It's, no, like when, when, when you know that Abraham came out of Mesopotamia, he came out of these lands where like, He's in the midst of idolatry all the time. He's in the midst of the pagan gods all the time. This is how he understands. And yet he's encountering Yahweh and he's trying to understand who this God is. And he's learning slowly that God is faithful, but he's really slow to learn it. <laughs> um, and then you get to the point where God says, you know, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. What is God doing? He's saying, I want you to demonstrate your commitment to me as much as you would to any other God that you've ever seen. And I'm going to demonstrate to you how I am utterly different from every other God 
because I am not actually going to require this of you. I am going to provide for you instead. I'm going to set up this system of, of sacrifice that will that will provide for, for the nation that comes out of you. And oh, by the way, in the promises that we have to Abraham in scripture, one of the things that you have is not just a tribal deity, but through the seed that I'm going to give you, I will bless all the nations of the world. Yeah. Like what kind of tribal deity is that? Like, you know, like this is what I get passionate about. And this is why I, I, I couldn't listen to the way that that um, Tyler and, and Derek were talking about this and, and hear the words thrown around like pagan and tribal and that kind of stuff and, and just sit by. I wanted to say, no, like if, if that's the way you're seeing this, you're missing some very big things in, in scripture and you're missing some very big things in the way that we're supposed to understand God. So, Yeah. There's my impassioned speech again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I love it because I think you're absolutely right. Not only I mean, and, and and it's those things like what you just talked about, Sherman, with the binding of Isaac and just every other little you know concept like that. To view it in a materialistic way, I think you're absolutely spot on. It leads us into some funky thoughts. Um, I, I don't remember the example you used just a, a few minutes ago. I was thinking about something else, but I've actually had open theists bring that to me. Oh, it, it was about God coming down and seeing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I've actually had open theists come to me and say, see, God, God's not omni or omnipotent or omniscient. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, because of this very fact. And given what you just said about it now, you know, it makes I think I think it shows right that there are lenses in which we use. There are even consistent lenses and, and ways and systems and systematics that we use. But whenever you throw out, you know, open theism, Arminianism, right? Those aren't the only other lenses by which to view scripture from. Mm -hmm. And I think that in and of itself speaks volumes, right? There are other ways in which we can understand, namely looking at it from the ancient Near Eastern point of view and seeing how Yahweh specifically is saying, look, I am different. And this is how right? The binding of Isaac, bro, is so powerful now that you've mentioned that, because you're right. God's not like Molech. He lets him go. Right. And it's, it's, it's an illustration. What? It's, like, it's yeah. like, you're not going to get this if I explain it to you. Right. I've got so to I need show you, you to live it. Yeah. And then you'll get it. Right. Right. Amen. And how ironic the passages are there. So that models later on uh, you know, it's not like the models later on just come out of an ether, just ex nihilo Calvinism, ex nihilo Arminianism, <laughs> Molinism. Mm -hmm. The irony is the passage is there to then lead to these models to try and explain what's going on in these in the passage. Mm -hmm. So that that just then communicates how sophisticated the passage actually is to you know for us to then wrestle on this, these issues and and end up in all these different places. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie, I, I, I hope we haven't like. <laughs> well, I've just like been soaking over, it all yeah. in. <laughs> it's been a great discussion. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many points that we could make that uh, that we could just bring out to show this dichotomy of how Yahweh is, but is not like them at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I don't know. It's it's just it's strange to me to think of trying to read the Bible in context trying to read the Bible consistently and to just then go and break it all apart and say, well, we can't take it as one 
if we're going to take it consistent, like that doesn't make any sense in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, because there's, th that's just not how the Bible presents itself. That's not how the people of God have taken it. That's, th there's just so much disconnect there. Yeah. And, you know, it, like in the Bible, God is all about interacting in the world in natural ways. Like he has supernatural intervention, but the, the fact that he institutes the entire nation in order to bring creation back to where it should have been. <laughs> right. And that's why it looks tribal. That suggests that God works in a participatory way. So, mm -hmm. it, you know, trying to find evidence here and evidence there and trying to pick it all apart. It, it just, that, that, that's not how God is presented in the Bible. That's not how God works in our lives, obviously. Like we're not given angelic messengers every day. We're not given messengers straight from God every day. So we're, we're supposed to be engaging in the world and thinking about these things and trying to, to form the, our biblical imagination in a way that we are thinking in the same way as what these things are. Not that we don't have these disconnects between the ancient world and the modern world, because we do. And that makes it hard to understand for us because we, we right or wrong, we tend to think we're so much better than those ancient people. We're smarter. We've learned more in some ways and in some ways not. And, but either way, you've got to live your life in this consistent way. And mm -hmm. in this, like, if you're going to take God seriously, take God seriously. Right. Yeah. By yeah. the way, just quickly, the keyword, which you, perfect, like, you know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with that God is interested in being a participant, it's a, you know, he participates with the creation, otherwise, he's not, a, like, think about it, this makes, this, this, this refutes deism, because if it's a deistic thing, then what's the point of creating? You know, so mm -hmm. he creates, he participates, and then I'm uh, I'm reminded of at the end of Romans three, just after Paul says all have fallen short. He then says God demonstrates His righteousness by the actions of the cross, like that the that the cross mm -hmm. demonstrates His righteousness, and um, uh, Thomas Schreiner and um, F.F. Bruce, I think F.F. Bruce Schreiner and someone else um, in the New Perspectives category. But one of the scholars beautifully said, in fact, it could be N.T. Wright, basically said, this demonstrates that God is not a hypocrite. Mm. The cross is basically, and this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, the cross is God's power. Like, the cross, if the cross never happened, which, by the way, 1 Corinthians 2 says, you know, if the if the yeah. aeons knew the plan they wouldn't have killed jesus then god would be a hypocrite for starting this whole thing to begin with and working with trying to lead to the way satan would have won the cross is god's victory where he the enthroned king on a cross with you know with the crown of thorns like mm -hmm. all that imagery um and then you know the the bulls of bashan are like gaping their mouths realizing that this is this is their, their doom um like yeah, like I, I like I like that. That's the key word, I think. What Kerry just said. It's it. Mm -hmm. We the, the the biblical God is a God who participates with the creation from outside, mm -hmm. and that's how we. That's why John three sixteen is for you know what it is. For God so loved the world, he you know, mm -hmm. 
So, yeah. And and the flip side of that participation is that, that God expects participation from us. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, what does it Which mean is, to be the body of Christ except to participate in what God is doing in the world? You will be with me on thrones. That's what a body here's is. The here's the children of God that's been given to me, Hebrews 2. That, it's ex yeah. exactly, it's like, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. that ties into the image of God and how it's understood in Scripture versus how we see it understood um, in, in either mysterious ways or in, in totally different ways in, in either... Um, you know, the pagan understanding of things in ancient Eastern understanding of things in LDS theology and in classical theism. Like scripture has a very clear idea of this once we get beyond the ways that we usually think about the world. And it's a very participatory idea. It's a representational idea that the, that the image of God is, is these things this is what we're created for. Um, and so to, to separate out, um, humanity and god and kind of have these two layers where there's no sense that like that's not biblical right um to say that we're on the same ontological level and we can become god just the way that god is like that's not biblical either right there's just so many layers of this that, that it's just like you can go wrong in, in either direction but what we see in scripture is a sense of the god who participates the god who incarnates himself in creation the god who wants us to become part of that incarnation as part of the body of christ through faith through the whole work of the holy spirit like all of this is leading up to where we're going which is you know in revelation like you know you have even more of a sense of of god being embodied mm -hmm. and present with his creation very well yeah. said, Josh. Yeah. Very well said. Do very you guys good. go? Go ahead, Rob. I was just saying, very good. Yeah. Like, the, the, the more... <laughs> I didn't expect this discussion. It, this is just a happenstance. I see you live. And I'm just like, you guys are discussing Heiser. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so it's really cool. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back for part two, Sherman. Do you think we'll uh, we'll get into part two? Maybe. Oh yeah, I I, I think there's a yeah. lot more examples we could we could give for. Um, how we see the framework that we started to lay out playing out and how we understand scripture, why we think that this framework is a better, has more explanatory power um, than, than the way that Tyler Baylor was looking at this and the way that Derek was looking at it. Um, and, and why we think that this idea that, that there really is so much connectivity, it's, it's like end to end. The yeah. entire Bible is a chiasm. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's end to end. It's it's all connected. There, there's all of these through lines. The image of God is one. God incarnating himself in creation is another. Like all of these things are connected end to end. And if you if you don't see that, then you're not reading the the fullness of the scriptures in front of you. And that's where you can get into this bifurcation. And when you do that, then then frankly, and 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 frankly, what you end up with is you cannot say that Calvinism is the most consistent way to read the scriptures. And then say that this is how we understand the Old and New Testament and rip them apart. Like, I'm sorry, Tyler, you can't right. do that. It's not consistent. What you've done is you moved from one sense of contradiction and seeing this is the way I see the Old Testament, this is the way I see in the New Testament, they contradict, I, it doesn't work, I can't make it work, I'm walking away. And now you've moved to, I'm walking away, but Calvinism is the most is the best way to read this stuff, but it's also not the way that I read the Old Testament when I walked away, right? That's not internally consistent. And I hope that you can see that and start to really evaluate it. And that maybe some of the things that we're discussing, um, although you're familiar with them in many, many ways, like I, I know you've studied a lot of these things, Tyler. Um, hopefully some of this this catches your attention in some way where um, you know you, you think maybe there's something to this I didn't see before. 
maybe for people that are listening to this, um, if you were starting to say, you know, I, I saw that discussion, I thought it was, you know, the, Tyler's deconversion, I thought it was good, I thought they made a lot of good points, they started to kind of drag me into this, I, I really do see the Bible in these, these different ways. I hope this discussion is at least the beginning of helping you to see that there really is a continuity from end to end in Scripture. There really is a continuity with the God of creation and the, and the God of the cross and the God of revelation. It's all connected, all the same God. Um, and, and I hope that it helps you to, to come to, to faith, to stay in faith in a way that helps you to live out and embody and represent God in the world in a way that demonstrates his love and that demonstrates who he is. Uh, through the cross. Amen. Carrie, I, I, Sherman, I'm going to take that as your uh, your final That's closing. my closing thoughts. thoughts. I better That's stop or we'll keep going. <laughs> That's what I thought. Carrie, is there anything that you would like to say? And then we'll hit Rob and then I'll give mine and then we'll close out, y'all. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, you know, when I was listening to this interview with Tyler Villa, I, I was so struck how often and how like how similar his story and his thoughts and his reactions were to a lot of my experiences when I left Mormonism or when I started moving away from Mormonism. You, and this idea of having all of these questions, not being able to express them to people who understood the question, mm -hmm. who appreciated even asking the question, who had any kind of framework other than this is the party line and this is how you answer that. And if you don't like that answer, so what? Like, mm -hmm. it's so important that we do allow ourselves and allow other people to have these thoughts, to have these questions and to work through them. Like it's, it's so damaging when you can't have that dialogue. And, and I think that's, that's part of why we're trying to reach out. That's try That's part of why we're trying to have a discussion here. It's not like, to say, wow, you're so wrong and you're so awful. It's it's just to say, well, look, let's have a conversation. Let, let's see how we can talk about it. Let's see the different ways we can think about it because that's important and that's what we should all be doing. Mm. Yes. Right on, Carrie. Rob, any closing remarks? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, just, just like, Josh mentioned I could I could go on and on with this, but in closing, maybe uh, encouragement for Tyler to know that um, uh, I still consider him like I I, I told him personally I I yeah I I'm not uh, going to like uh, disassociate myself from him our friendship anything like that and and Kerry's right a dialogue and discussion is healthy. Uh, it, it is what is needed. Um, I I believe firmly believe that, uh, and I could be psychologizing Tyler here, but but it, it it his deconversion and these like interviews that he's doing could be sort of reactionary against certain tenets of what I think he now considers to be false. You know, the Calvinistic system. Um, but it's it's basically throwing the baby with the bathwater. It's it's that's all he's done, and um, I presume he he's familiar with you know the higher end scholarship of those of the likes of like Heiser and Walton and so on. Mm, he is, but but I don't want to come across as presumptuous. But the more I've read of Heiser, and I've read 
not just Heiser. I've gone through his six thousand plus builder graphics. You know, <laughs> you know the six thousand, uh, yeah. you know references that he has, and that's not an exaggerated number. It's literally that many. I've collected all of that. It's taken me since twenty fifteen to sift through eighty percent of that. I'm a very ardent reader of tracking because because my my journey to Christianity started in 2010. My passing of my opa, I was an atheist. 2015 was my conversion day, co conversion year. I I first came across Heiser in 20 end of 2013, start of 2014. Believe it or not, through Zitchin. Hmm. I wasn't into Zitchin, <laughs> but all I but I know that my opa, you know, he has a library and he has Zitchin's works on his bookshelf, and I. Already three years into looking at the Bible, I'm going, I'm pretty sure biblical scholars are aware of this, you know, the whole Nephilim thing that Zitchin does. So all I did was in Google, is Zitchin wrong? And I found <laughs> zitchiniswrong.com. Zitchiniswrong That's what I found. But long story short, I, I just really fell in love with I, the way Heiser would write and communicate is exactly the, my thought process. So I track down all these citations. I, I'm, in other words, Heiser does like an A to Z breakdown. It's not like you know he he dedicates one chapter for one thing and another chapter for another. Like you know what you usually see in books. Mm -hmm. His is like a I really need to just go from start to end, but it is going to take a while to break this down. Here's the citations. So that being said, it, I know it's coming across as presumptuous. But when people claim that they are familiar with Heiser's work, sometimes, or the more I've interacted with people who claim that, who may be critical of Heiser's work, the more I am um, uh, of the belief that, uh, yeah, you haven't read enough. You've mm -hmm. literally just skimmed the surface. I'm not denying that you've read, but you have not actually read or tracked with the thought process and the arguments he's making. It's not just reading Unseen Realm. You have to go to moreunseenrealm.com. You have to go to the bibliography. You have to see what the... He's a dot connector. Heiser's relying on the argumentation of, guess what, mainstream scholarship mm -hmm. that has put this through providential means, has put all of this together um, to, to make this coherent, and hence the chart that I've drew up is is to to finalize that big picture um through all that scholarship and no model any one model in early church history like calvinism Arminian, that's part of the discussion it's not the model no scientist says newtonian mechanics is the you know physics uh you know the physics for the way things work obviously einstein came and upgraded it massively um but that's the point it's like two thousand years worth of church history scholarship and you know musings on this and now the discoveries like things like the dead sea scrolls in the last century it you know mm. it's just opened the door to suddenly seeing even ever so more what's going on in the biblical corpus and um yeah so d don't throw the baby with the bathwater and and don't think or don't presume you have read in detail the arguments that's been laid out because 
because if you have, then I firmly believe you wouldn't have, you know, left the faith or you wouldn't have, um, you know, making, you'd be making all these arguments like, you know, pagan deity stuff. And yeah, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to say all of that with, you know, it's like salt and grace at the same time. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to come across as rude or, you know, like, like, like a know-it-all or, you know, or like a Cunning-Kruger effect sort of thing. Like, it's just, sorry, Dunning-Kruger effect. It's just, I'm just being honest, like, mm -hmm. based on what I'm seeing online versus what I personally, in my, in my passion in reading this stuff, this is just my honest reaction. Like, I, I can't say it any other way. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, just to add to, to what Rob just said, you know, Tyler and I are all, all very similar in, in our stage in where we are now. The only difference is uh, I gave up Calvinism where he gave up Christianity. We both had the problem, you know, maybe not the same thing. I doubt it was the same thing. And, but the tenants are still there, right? And, and the one thing, the one thing in that 12-minute clip that stood out to me the most was Tyler said, I have my philosophical presuppositions here. I have the Old Testament here. And the two don't line up with each other. So I'm going to throw out the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. That's heartbreaking to me. Maybe, just maybe, the philosophical presuppositions was wrong. And God wasn't. And I, I, I say that because, like I said, I'm coming from a similar place. I gave up Calvinism uh, because I saw the inconsistencies there. And I think maybe, you know, what helped that is talking to Sherman, talking to Davidson, talking to all the guys that have the divine council worldview that have studied guys like Heiser, you know. And uh, Michael Jones actually has a really good... Uh, and I'll link it in the description, but a good set of three videos on this topic uh, that he goes into. He talks about Walton and the scholarship uh, behind like Genesis 1 and things like that. And I'll link people to that if they're interested. But that's our thing. You know, we don't want to do this. And I think we're all on the same page. And in, in, in these, this isn't the only video that's going to happen. We're planning uh, a part two to this one and then at least three or four more videos uh, that's going to camp on certain segments of that video that uh, Derek and Tyler did. So this is just the beginning. So stay tuned uh, if you want to hear more. And I pray that, you know, Ty not only Tyler, but the people uh, who he's influencing that that are maybe listening and, and seeing the connections that Tyler's making there and are having the same problems. will listen uh, to this as well. And hopefully we can put a stone in their shoe and say, mm -hmm. look, this isn't the only way. There are multiple roads uh, that lead to God on on that front anyway. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going ecumenalist here, <laughs> but but you, you see what I'm saying. So so I I'll, I think I'll end it there. Um, I love you guys. Thank you all so much, Rob. You are more. I added you to the group chat, brother. So if you want to uh, be a part of that part, too, I know you do probably. Uh, you're more than welcome. And if you want to do a separate episode uh, about something that's in that video, the whole video uh, that Tyler and Derek did, uh, let me know and we can get something set up to, to respond to. But as far as listeners go, uh, we've got a lot of stuff lined up. We've got a debate discussion. So, so it's an informal discussion, but we do have both sides of this uh, debate that's, that's happening. So on April 
uh, the 21st, uh, Father Jonathan Ivanov will be on with Pastor Samuel Farag, and we will be talking about icons and whether or not they are either holy or idolatrous images. And so that's April 21st. I think it's 7 p.m. I'm pretty sure it's 7 p.m. Um, if not, I will correct that and let you all know. Also on April the 1st, uh, we have Hugh Ferry debating Ben Watkins on the resurrection of Jesus. And so I think that's going to be a fun, fun episode. Uh, and and I'll let, uh, on another episode, I'll let David and Dale talk more about that. Um, then I think, I, I, I don't want to make a presumptuous announcement, but it seems like from what Dale was telling me, this is pretty much set in stone. Uh, I don't, uh, I'll have to double check, but we're trying. We would like to get Tyler on uh, to discuss um, these concepts that we've been talking about, mainly with Caleb Johnston. And so I know that uh, we've talked to Caleb about it. David's talked to Caleb. He said that he's more than willing to do it. I don't know if the guys have reached out to Tyler yet. If not, I will. Tyler, if you're listening, uh, here's the invitation. Um, if you want to come on and talk with Caleb about you know, some of these things, then we, we would love to have you and to talk with you about that. And just, you know, I, I think that, I think we've got to get something good going here, y'all. And, and I really, I'm proud of it. Sherman, you've set this up and bro, you were on fire tonight. And so all of y'all were Carrie, Carrie, you're amazing, Rob. And you guys know what you're really talking about whenever it comes to this. And I feel like a baby, you know, just, just soaking it all up. Just yes. Like give me some more. And so I'm looking forward to the part two y'all, but until next time we will all see you then. And so, as I say, from the bottom of our hearts, every one of us, I think good night, God bless and stay like Christ.